Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast <laughs> gab fest where the multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <sighs> identity, culture, <laughs> what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, mm-hmm. the salad bar is all out of eggplants. I repeat, the salad bar is all out of eggplants. Jeez, I told you that was not funny. I didn't say it was Wait, funny. I'm just saying is this what it is. True. The salad is true. bar is all out of eggplants. Did the salad bar ever have eggplants, Teeves? They're gone. I don't see them anywhere. But they're they were to be never found. there. There were never that's eggplants a, that, in the salad bar. That's that's a state of mind, Joe. Wait, so okay, this is really important to me yeah. because eggplant is my favorite vegetable. Wow. So are you telling me that um eggplants are extinct <laughs> from the salad bar and which salad bar is this the one right. in my apartment there Kenya, are no eggplants. oh, oh i don't even be there okay kenya i don't need questions. to stress kenya's hair okay. literally okay okay kenya has eggplant colored hair right now that's yes, how much kenya loves inspired. eggplant yes uh i am tommy teebs pico indigenous american poet Screenwriter, TV writer, and the only thing animating me at the moment is coffee. I'm just human. Like, I don't have blood inside of me anymore. It's all just caffeine. Teams, you're back on caffeine. I thought you quit the caffeine. I can't, like, not have it. Now my days start so early. I just have to. I'm a zombie. I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer. And you guys, I literally just spent 10 minutes looking for a Google Chrome window that was another tab in the same Google Chrome window. Mm. I couldn't find the doc. I was stressing out. Chaotic bottom energy all over the place. Yes. Hi, everyone. I am Kenya Denise. I am co-founder of Domino Sound with Alex, who's my wife. But don't get it confused with Teebs, who is my fiance. (laughs) Um, It's a long story, but I am saving it for my memoir, which will complete my body of work. Ah! Um, I am, yeah, a writer, producer, a model, and the Pfizer booster shot gave me bigger titties. <laughs> I'm not joking. Spoiling I wasn't glands. ready. I didn't ask for it, but it definitely gave me bigger titties. <laughs> Once again, thoughties, you know, we're all scattered to the four winds, but we still wanted to check in. And this week we've got Kenya rounding out our Fearsome threesome, I guess, is a word. Um, I've wanted to have a threesome with Kenya for, like, years. Like, since the day we met. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah. wasn't... I, I thought you were joking. I thought you were joking for a few years. And then I realized, wait, maybe maybe he's not joking. This is bisexual erasure. You never know what can happen. Listen. <laughs> we actually met Kenya uh, the first time we met... Well, the first time Alex came to the studio and acted as our producer was the first time we met Kenya, I believe. Yep. I think so, too. Yeah, that's so weird. That was so long ago, guys. That was like a decade ago, and that's when I became the head intern, which is honestly the best working job title I've ever had. <laughs> so I know I introduced myself before, but I really want to underline that I am the head intern 
of food for thought. So I've been, I've been grabbing snacks, I've been grabbing coffees, running across highways in LA, and I've loved every minute of it. I've loved every minute of it. Kenya has been writing on the show. She always contributes the fun- the funniest line to any game. That was Kenya. Um, she always <laughs> travels with us on tour. We love her to death, and we've been trying to get her on- to come on microphone for years. <laughs> and today she's finally doing it. Finally. All right, y'all. Today we amuse our bushes by being dumb bitches. Our main topic is literally to die for. And for dessert, we ask the question, who is in the queer booster club? Take it away. Mm, I'm feeling peckish. I think it's time we start the top of the show the way any good top should with a little tease. Our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Booshes. And to amuse your booshes, we're going to do pennies. Yeah. We hear you loud and clear. We have so many questions to get through. Hey, Thoughts. So I've got a deep question for you. So hike the skirts up, girls, because it's a big one. Describe your past relationships with religion. Describe your current beliefs. And if you're spiritual, what does that look like? Are you a staunch atheist? Or are you praying the rosary before you get your pussy punched? Inquiring minds want to know. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. I love how that was asked. We're supposed to um, basically woo, this person yes. this person asks us to say whether there's not whether or not there's a God in three minutes on this <sighs> on this idiot podcast. I am gagging. Um, I'm just going to say no, I don't believe there to be. I mean, here's the thing. I'm a recovering Catholic. I, you know, I, like my my people were forcibly converted to Catholicism. And in an act of resistance and indigenous survivance, I have decided not to pursue Christianity or Catholicism as a religion um, on my part. And I don't be- I don't I, I don't have a, a system of belief in anything, really. It's I, I, I am. Totally bereaved in that respect, but I don't. I don't have anything that mm. I believe in other than like I believe in love and I believe in friendship and I believe in loyalty and I believe in honesty and I believe in my ability to write. That's all. Mm. So you're agnostic. I would say probably. I mean, the thing is though, like when I look at a mountain, I'm like, there is no way that a god doesn't exist. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just I, I'm deeply frowny about the whole thing. Mm. Right. What, um, what about okay. You, Kenya? So I wouldn't say. I, um, okay. So. Woo child. So my family like broke up over this. I'm from New Orleans. There's like, as you know, there's like the Catholicism that was forced upon everybody. And then there's like the fucking ghosts in the real shit. So I definitely believe there's a God. I do not believe in organized religion. I grew up Southern Baptist though. And I've always really been curious. So I always kind of was like, what the fuck is this? But like twerking, you know? So like (laughs) I got so much from the church being able to perform and sing and dance. And like that energy is definitely like where Mm. I like to be at. Um, I've also just like seen some crazy shit and I'm like, we're not alone here. Like, why would we be? Um, I'm also a psychonaut. So I love psychedelics and like, Mm. yeah, there is definitely a God, multiple gods. Um, I... Like, you know, the ancestral African religion, religious side of my family, you know, but they believe in multiple gods. And I totally think that's real. I think God is in humans and animals um, in mountains. Mountains are my favorite thing to look at, too. Um, so, yeah, that I mean, I'm I'm spiritual in the way that, like, yeah, I believe shit happens. I believe it happens for a reason. 
Um, I do not follow religious rules. I never have. It never made sense. And, and honestly, nobody else in the church was following that shit either. <laughs> and then they told me, like, mm-hmm. if you get baptized, you're good for life, which was the wrong thing to tell me. <laughs> so I got fucking baptized, bitch. <laughs> so I got baptized and then I popped Molly. And then, like, it's just, that's just how it goes. So, yes, I have spiritual experiences. I've always had really deep dreams where, mm. like, people tell me things in my dreams. Um, Things have happened at weird times, and I'm like, oh, is that reality breaking? That's just God, right? So um, that's definitely where I am with it, kind of where I've always been with it. I connect to God individually, and I don't let anyone else tell me Mm. um, what to do or how to get to God. Mm. Mm. Hello, Food for Thought. I'm so glad you're back. So quick question. In 2021, we have different audiences on our different social media platforms. Your audience on Facebook are, you know, older coworkers, perhaps a boss. Your audience on Twitter may be um, theorists in the field or colleagues in the field. Your audience on TikTok and Instagram are also different. How do we navigate that in 2021? Do we code switch like we do with language? You speak differently when you go home and you're with family than you do with your girlfriends, than you do at work. Um, Do you code switch per platform? How do we hand negotiate this in 2021? I'm finding this to be very, very fraught. (laughs) I'm why don't why don't you take this one first, Joe, because you're pretty plugged into the social medias, right? I mean, I feel like Kenya is, I, although Kenya hasn't been, is it, Kenya used to do these Instagram stories where it was like dash, 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 and like the whole screen, it was like, it would take, it was like, it was a cinematographic universe. It was like, there were two hours of Kenya Instagram stories per day. Um, yeah, that was a test. Um, <laughs> people come up to me and they're like, yo, remember that time you used to do that? And I'm like, yeah, you watch it all? <laughs> <laughs> That's on you, sweetie. <laughs> I'm like, I was just having a good time. Um, so the answer to this question is, um, so I don't believe in code switching in 2021. When I graduated from high school and even college, you know, there's like, you know, especially as a black woman, there's like an amount of code switching that you have to do to get your, you know, your first job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I did what I needed to do. But then I realized I'm like, yo, everyone here is fucking fake. And this is the worst environment, especially if you're trying to be artistic. So I basically was like, fuck it. I'm not going to code switch anywhere. Like, which some people said maybe I should and still do. Mm -hmm. Um, I will curse people out on calls if there is some racism, if there's ableism, sexism, homophobia. Mm -hmm. I will drag your ass in Mm -hmm. front of 50 person team. Um, And when it comes to, like, family and friends and switching with all of that, I'm like, listen, I'm me. Mm -hmm. I'm me. I I like It it takes a lot of energy, I think, to code switch Mm -hmm. to decide Mm -hmm. which version of yourself you're going to be on social media. Um, And especially, like, switching them up. Because I've seen people, like, have meltdowns where they posted something on the wrong page. They're like, fuck! That's, oh, my God, that's my other audience. Like, they're going to realize this is what I really think. And I'm like... Listen, I'm sick. Yep. Life is short. I don't yep. have time for that. Yep. So I'm going to tell you the real. And if I post it on whatever account, you're going to see the real across yep. all accounts. And I do not change how I talk. Um, 
and I do not change the energy that I give these hoes. I can yeah, it's so funny. I feel the the same the same way, and it, it comes from a very different place. Like obviously, I understand that like as a cis presenting white dude, I have like a lot of power in these spaces to act differently. But for me, it's like. Um, I'm really interested, as I think we do on this podcast, in breaking down the binaries between my work self and my private self. You know, my work self is a human being who is messy and has feelings. And I don't want to pretend in front of my students and my colleagues that I'm not that person. So, like, my philosophy is more or less, yeah, like, I don't have a, a private friends on Instagram. If I'm going to post a hope pic, everyone's going to see that hope pic. You know what I mean? Um, and, and the same thing on Twitter. Like, my Twitter is a mix of, um, like, writing that I'm working on. Um, scholarship that I'm working on and like just dumb jokes and commentary and trying to lift up the work of friends of mine. And I just feel like for me, uh, it's not it's not necessarily about my energy. It's more about like the political project. Like capitalism wants us to have all these little these little atomized parts of yourself, the the work self that is just like hyper productive and super smart, the home self, the sexual self, the friendship self. And to me, it's it's an active part of my life that I try not to be atomized in that way. I try to bring my full self in as much as it's appropriate into, into all the different spaces. Um, and I, I, I know that Teebs just deletes his social media accounts. Well, I was just going to say that like you brought up a good point, both you and Kenya brought up this, a good point, which is like the, the, um, pressure to have divisions within yourself is yeah. like one of those ones where it's like, and I think pe- why, why people like the show is that it's like, you can be an analytical slut. Like you mm-hmm. can be smart and a hoe, like, and, and, mm-hmm. that, at the, and that there's like this idea that like to be pr- like profane or promiscuous or whatever means that you're stupid, you know? And like, I, that's what I have to say about that. When it comes to social media, however, I believe in burning and boiling the whole project. I don't like that shit. I only have Instagram. I don't have Twitter. I don't have TikTok. I don't have Facebook. And I don't want to have Instagram for much too longer either. I just like I, I feel like I'm I'm compulsively partaking in something that I don't know I really want to be doing. But like I don't want to. But it feels like t- if I t- take to take down Instagram means cutting off relationships. That's the way it feels. I know that's not what it is, but that's the way that it feels. And, and but it's like, do I need to be bombarded with all these people's lives all the time? Their curated lives all the time? Or can it, can I just like be by myself? But I'm also feeling extremely isolated because I live in Los Angeles. I don't have too many friends out here. I I don't drive. You know, so it's like a part of me in the desire to be. Uh, connected to people doesn't want to turn that off, but also like, then am I ever fully alone? And sometimes I need to be, I don't know, but yeah, I I can't, I I feel like I, I undid the project of sort of code switching a long time ago when I was like, why am I like, Pretending that I'm not a fucking profane bitch. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you tweeted sitting on the cock of the gay, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, I've been at a, at a reading of Teebs's on a college campus, I believe, where Teebs put that into his introduction and made the person introduce him by saying, and tweeter of such things as sitting on the cock of the gay. So you really just came to the three worst people for like, uh, you know, sort of social media voices that are not wholly authentic to the idiots that we are. I mean, I think we're all just like... We're soon all going to be in the virtual world and we kind of already are and it's already scary. And I think just getting back to your real self is the most important thing right now. And when you're splitting that up and dividing that amongst communities, um, it's it's too hard and it detaches you further from yourself. So Mm. I would say try not to do that 
and try to find out who the real one is and then share that or don't share that because, yeah, shit's getting weird online. I mean, I wonder, do you ever wonder about how this relates to the idea of professionalism? Mm-hmm, totally. I think that's what, oh, yeah. that's a part of what this person is asking about, I think. Like, how can I, um, should I, should I have a professional Twitter? And I think a lot of people do that. They have a professional Twitter and then a, and then a, a normal person Twitter and then a hoe Twitter. Um, I think the hoe Twitter is very helpful just because Twitter is a space that has literal pornography on it that people can enjoy. And it's like literally sometimes not safe at work to have like pornography pop up on your phone if you open Twitter. So like, I definitely get that. Have your hoe Twitter to sort of like be a responsible a- a adult that is going to have boundaries, um, with like sex and sexuality in the workplace. Um, but I, I just I made the active choice. I think that that's the thing that I'd like to say. I don't judge people who have boundaries around what they share online, but I think it's important to make an active choice about what your politics are, what you want to put out there and what what you want to do. You know, I know people who are like, I only tweet about professional stuff uh, because I need to get a tenure track job and I don't judge them for that. Like, I think that's awesome. They're doing what they need to do for the, for their lives. So but I do think and I have the sense that this person is by asking this question on thinking about it and on that thought process. I don't judge anybody for the choices they make about boundaries, but I do think it's important to make choices and not have the choices made to you by just uh, the accumulation of your actions without introspection. Yeah. And I just want to say that I do want to recognize that this is a cold, hard, just dirty squid game ass capitalist world. Mm -hmm. So if you have to code switch, like absolutely have to for survival then bitch, do it. And do it to the best of your ability. You better work. But when it comes to, like, family and friends and all that stuff, I'm like, yo, just be you. Yeah. Mm. It's time we get to the meat of our discussion. The thought process spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And uh, to swing our hot dog, our Nathans this week, <laughs> Joe... <laughs> that was such a sensual mmm to start off the thought process teams. That got me a little a little hot and bothered there. Uh-oh, uh-oh. All right, y'all. Today on this Day of the Dead, what else could we talk about other than death itself? Something that, honestly, Kenny and I tweet about every day. As a kid, there was nothing scarier to me than death. And ironically, at that time, when I was a kid, I also believed in an afterlife. Now, I believe in nothing, and I'm not afraid of death at all. I guess what I mean is that life changed how I feel about death. And I view death now as as more of a normal part of life, actually maybe the most normal part of life, because it's the one thing besides pain that every human being will experience. But I don't want to get all that dark to begin with. This is going to be a conversation that I think will have highs and lows, laughter and tears, as as always. But I want to start light by asking you as a jump off question, when you die, if you have to stay in this plane, who's the one bench that you will haunt till the day you leave and why? Mm, so many hauntable bitches. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's so many Jesus, bitches like, to just haunt. One? Just one? I have to pick one bench? I'm fraught. This, this, this conversation point has me torn number one there's so many people i would like to suffer but then number two that also seems like a huge investment for me and do i want to be around this person all the time right right like right, do i right. want to spend time haunting somebody like that means i have to spend time with them you know i was thinking about like oh yeah haunting like whatever homophobe turf whatever person that shows up on the feed and it's like yeah i want them to be in mortal peril but then i'm like uh that seems like a lot of work for me. Teams is disengaging. <laughs> I feel that. I mean, I think 
I definitely feel that, Teebs. I didn't think about it. Um, I think I could better answer this question from the afterlife because I would have to know how much energy it takes to haunt a bitch. Yes. But I grew up with a family ghost that lived in the mm. back room. Um, so, you know, and he was chilling. He's been chilling for generations. Um, so, so maybe it's not that hard to haunt a bitch. He yeah, was a right, good, right. a good ghost though. It's like, but it's like I a 10 hour say, a week type of job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, still yeah. like, like I want to like scare you where you reel down bad. You're yeah. like shaking for 10 days, but like, I don't it's, think I'm going to spend like, it's like it kind of structures time. your days. It gets you out of bed in the morning. You know what I mean? You put on a you right. put on a pot of coffee. You don't sleep until noon. You're not feeling bad about yourself. You're like, let me go do, spend three hours haunting, and right. then I'll, I'll come back and read my book or watch my series, have a nice little glass of wine, and go to bed. Do it all over again. You know? Right. I mean, and so to answer your question, just like Teebs, there's not one person. Um, Everyone who's ever done me wrong or tried to play with me, um, they're being haunted, period. And that's on my ancestors. Like, my ancestors are haunting you bitches now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't even, like, I'm sorry, but, like, my ancestors are coming. They they already came for you bitches. Like, so don't try me. Um, but, yeah, at the moment, there's a certain 40-year-old psychopath Um Oops. Stole money from my business. Yes. Oh, wow. Am I about to haunt that bitch? And there's this racist, sexist, ableist, white gay whose um, racism towards me got back to me. Um, and I'm, I mean, he's never going to work in this industry again. Sorry. Um, but you shouldn't have tried me. Mm, mm. And if you show your whole ass, I'm going to show it too. <laughs> So what you're so, saying is that person's career is dead. Oh, their career is dead and, and their social life as well. Love that for them. Absolutely love, love that. It. I mm-hmm. would absolutely haunt Chad R., who in the fourth grade found out my middle name, which I love now, which is Shannon. It's my mother's maiden name, but started got, got all of the kids to call me Shannon until I graduated high school. And it as like as like a, a future NB youth. Like I have friends who call me Shannon now and I love it. Like I love it's a it's a family name, so it's my my mom's last name. Um and that's like the Irish part of my family and I have complicated feelings about them, but like at that time it was just like in, in, in my small town, rural Washington state, it was a horror for a little boy to be called by a little girl's name. It tormented me. Chad R, I will make your every living day hell. Have you ever tried to look up these people on on Instagram or anything like that? No, I don't do it, Teebs. I don't do it to myself. I actually let the person, for me, be dead. You know what I mean? Like, to me, this person is dead because forgiving them would take energy. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I don't don't have that energy. I'm not the same person. I'm not a person who's embarrassed by being called a girl's name anymore. Uh, I like the person that I am. I love being Shannon. So you know what? That memory can be something I process with my therapist, but I have no interest in speaking to Chad R. ever again. Mm. I I feel that. Well, Mm. fuck you, Chad R. (laughs) Bullying is bad. And my ancestors are coming for you now as well. So (laughs) Can I call you Shan? Yeah, you can call me whatever you want. I, or like I, Shan Shan. Shan Shan. Like Shan Dong. Shan and Fran and and, and, and Den and Teebs. Shan like, and Fran you know? and Den and Teebs. That that has one of those the ring of like one of those shirts that has all the names on it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I think there's like three white supremacists who like made life really hard for me in high school, who I would 
But then I'd have to like ugh, be in their shabby little houses. <laughs> probably they, they probably overdosed on ivermectin. So. <laughs> can One can hope, girl. One can, <laughs> One can hope. only hope. <laughs> um, what do you? Fi- I was I was talking to Kenya about this. What is? What are you more afraid of, death or pain? <sighs> I d- I feel like. When I think about death, it's the same feeling as like thinking about deep space or the deep ocean. I I, I feel so small in in comparison to it. I feel almost like it like breathless in front of it, and it's just a whole ball of unknown. That I, it's almost like you know like light off the course of an event horizon. I feel like I'm being sucked into it. So, so I don't know if it's just, it's so awesome in the literal sense that I don't like in, 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 in terms of it inspiring awe inside of me that I don't know that I fear it or not, but like fucking pain is some bullshit. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so I'm a Scorpio and I'm the kind of Scorpio that, is into death. And I don't think it's not like I'm into death. It's I have no choice. I also have like um a chronic illness. It's actually a chronic pain illness, so I deal with pain every day. And I've also died before. Um and I've had many NDEs, near death experiences, which I think um change your views on death. Um so I'm not afraid of dying, but I will say the process of dying for me <laughs> has been painful. It's always painful. I've I've been asking, like, since I was born, I was like, what's the chillest way to die? Like, literally, like, what will be the chillest way? Um, and, and there is there is no way. And I I would say that pain, both physically and emotionally, is a hundred percent worse than death. Um, I don't fear death. Because it's it's like the end. I mean, although I do believe in an afterlife, not in the same way like heaven and hell, but like an afterlife to haunt you, bitches. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think pain is worse. But I do think that death causes pain too. Like right. if it's not your own death, mm. right? Oh, right, it causes right. a huge amount of pain. Yeah, there's do nothing you, more do, painful than someone dying. Isn't some? Is, doesn't dying? Doesn't when you die, you release a chemical that? Like, yeah, DMT. So that's actually really pleasurable, right? Yes. So it's te- but but like that's after you're you you like go through the process of dying. Like that's like at the end, you know. Um, that's also like, I mean, psychedelics have also made me way less afraid of death. I mean, like one of my first life experiences was dying that I remember. Um, and that was before I even knew what death was. I could tell everybody else was really disturbed. I was just observing, as I do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, and that's something that people take and to experience, like, a death, uh, an ego death or a death of some sort. And I do think it helps people grapple with that process, especially if you've been drilled, like, your whole life into the, like, heaven and hell, like, thing. Yeah. Like, that just sounds fucking crazy. It's mm-hmm. like, after life, I have to do all of this. I have mm-hmm. to wait in line. Yeah. You're going to read my sins in front of other bitches? Oh, I'm my like, God. listen, <laughs> listen, I'm so tired. Like, I'm like, yo, like, 
not not dying. It, it reminds me of Russian Doll. Like you remember oh, that show on Netflix? Like every that like show. that is like hell. Like when you wake up hell. every day and you're just like. So I'm just like, if it is, if it's over, right? Yeah. And then I just wake up and I'm in line. Oh my god, I hate it. Nope. I hate it. I hate nope. it. I hate it. I hate it. My, th- <sighs> my three least favorite things are crowds, lines, and children. <laughs> and that's why I don't go to fucking theme parks. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I feel like um, in in American Western dominant cis heteropatriarchal white supremacist culture, we're we're taught sort of we're inundated from from birth that like death is the worst thing that can happen to you, as opposed to like death is just something that happens to everyone. Like how many stories are there about like white men who who like want to live forever, who like try to like change the nature of life so that they can like live for like hundreds of years or live for many generations. And I'm like, that is the worst that is hell to me. All of your friends die. If you have kids, you watch them die. Like, what else? Like, that to me is, like, such an insane, like, way to look at what life even is. That just, like, the, the preciousness of life is, is for me, is, like, the, is my relationships, is the people that I co-construct my life with. And living forever, living forever would not make those people and those relationships live forever. So it's just, like... It, it's been really important for me as, and I definitely grew up in a family that was inculcated with all of that type of ideology, that sort of, that very Irish Catholic, like life is, life is so, it's like Irish Catholics are hilarious because life is so miserable, but life is so sacred. And then you're like, you're mm-hmm. meant to like, you you never die or take your life before God intends. And then your life is going to be fucking miserable. And then you get the payoff when you get into heaven and get to be happy. And I'm just like, that makes no fucking sense. But, yeah, that sounds like a narrative that is constructed by people in power who are exactly. like, we're yeah. going to make your life miserable, but like, don't worry, when you die, it'll be cool. Exactly. But it's very hard to undo something that is so culturally embedded and so embedded in your family, you know? So I I feel like the first time that I um, really, really, I mean, not just intellectually, but like in, in an embodied way, uh, shifted how I feel about death was the first time I had like a really bad mental breakdown uh, and it was just like the type of mental breakdown where it is physical pain, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was just like, it, it made me realize that um, the amount of it was grief, really, but that 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 grief it it won't be the whole rest of my life, but it will happen again in my life. Like there will be other points in my life that I will feel that pain, and the loss of loved ones to me is the thing that puts me in that place. And so it it, it just you know. Uh, Kaveh Akbar at a panel we did um, that was not recorded said, like, when you actually take a step back and look at life, you have two options. Either you die or everyone you love dies and you have to grieve them. And that's it. Those are the only two things that can possibly happen. And if you die, the people you love will grieve you. You know, that's sort of like the pact of actually loving people. And it's insane. Uh, and, And... it just makes me not afraid. I'm much more afraid of people I love dying than myself. I was reading Same. my a friend's screenplay, and it's like about like um, the queer resistance in in Amsterdam during World War II. And I was like, I just don't want to be fucking tortured. Like I just don't. I think about that yes. a lot. Like I think like I see a van like drive by me, and I'm like, please nobody in that van come and take me inside and bring me inside that van. I don't want it. Like I just don't want to be tortured. I don't want to be like you know, persecuted in that way. Like that's... Oh my God, I think about that a lot. I thought about that a lot since I was younger too, Teebs. That's so interesting. Like, yeah, I was like, I, I've been trying to figure out um, 
if if I happen to end up in a situation where I know I'm about to get tortured, um, how to get out of there? Basically, I'm 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 I do not want to be tortured, but I do think that death and also extreme amounts of pain. If you if you take the time to really think about it, I think they can really make you more grateful for life and teach you how beautiful life is and like the times that you aren't in pain. And I think it's just like, I think we just got to keep it real. Like being a human is fucking hard. Staying alive is like a 24 seven job. Life is going to suck sometimes. And sometimes it's going to be beautiful and you just got to like write that shit out. Um, Do you think so? Yeah. I, I wonder like with, um, sort of like near death experiences and what that does. I like, I will never forget the times where like a gun has been pulled on me on the res, you know, and looking down it and being like, I'm definitely going to die right now. Right. And, and for me, everything got so vivid. Right. Like it got like hypers, like um, what's the thing on the camera you do when it makes it sharp? It got really sharp. Everything got super sharp. And I was Aut- like, autofocus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to make it past this moment. And I don't, I, I don't have an emotional state. I can say where I landed. I can't say that I felt terror or I felt, I couldn't feel, I, I was, I was just in shock. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah I've had that moment many times. And I think, I think the moment when you're like, damn, I'm about to die is like the moment where you feel the least <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I yeah. feel like in that split second, like, first of all, I mean, I think your life not exactly flashes in front of your eyes like a movie screen. But I, I do think you're like, <sighs> like you like hone in. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? And then you're like, oh, shit, I'm about to die. And I think in that moment, <laughs> you really don't have time to be scared. It's like, yo, you're about to die. It, it, there's such a shock there. Um, and so I do, I do feel you with that kind of like, you're just like, ah, and then that's how I feel like dying is like, you're like, wait, and then, and then you die. Um, but not dying is even more iconic. So the thing is like, (laughs) we have an episode title. We definitely have an episode title. Thank you, Kenya. So when I've come back from experiences like that. And I'm like, there's an equal, I think, shock where you're like, wait, I didn't die. Yeah. But once I have time to process that, I, I am just so grateful for the time I've had, the relationships I have, mm-hmm. the people. And, and it reminds me to uh, live my best life every mm. day. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is that um, our bodies are both our, our bodies are both of our mind and our mind is a part of our body, but our body and our mind exist beyond our consciousness. Like your body does not want to die. Your body has evolved to stay alive through torture. I mean, not that, you know, animals torture one another or like human evolution is about this, but like your body is trying to stay here, you know, and you can be, uh, you know, I I watched my grandmother die of cancer, uh, an incredibly bone cancer, an incredibly painful death. And she was like, I want to go. I, I'm not coming back from this. I do not want to be her here. And her body stayed for like six fucking months. Uh, a completely, you know, that it's like your body is rooted. Your body will stay if it can. Um, and I, I find it's really hard to watch someone go through that process of being in a situation where they don't want to be here, but their body does. But the thing about that is it's not always terminal cancer. Like I didn't want to be here when I was going through a mental health crisis. I did not want to be alive. I didn't want to be here, but my body stayed 
And like, I came out on the other side of that. I'm a different person than I was before that. Uh, I have a different understanding for an empathy for pain. Um, and I'm, I'm glad now that I didn't, that my body stuck around for me. You know what I mean? And I sort of like in therapy, I was working on giving that to my body, like saying body, you have permission to stay, even though I don't want you to, uh, because I know that there will be another side of this. Um, and you know, I just, I, I feel most of the time I feel really grateful that my body had that capacity. Um, and, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it did that work for me when I couldn't have that desire to be here anymore. Have you ever, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of doing this and I'm not going to say I was doing it in a, in a morbid sense or in a way, in a time when I felt bad, but do you ever imagine your funeral? Totally. Oh my God. No. <laughs> I do. I do. Wow. That's so interesting. Just like I've... who would be there and who would be crying. I mean, I was thinking about it yesterday and I was like, I wonder if like my boss would show up. Like, <laughs> like just, you know, I was like, I wonder, cause I know they'll have it on the rest. I'm like, I'll be really, I'm my boss on resident alien. Um, I was like, he's like the whitest man, you know? And I was like, I wonder if he would go to the res. I wonder if like he would go to the tribal hall. I wonder if he would go to my funeral, you know, just like that interesting juxtaposition of all the different people I've known in my life at the tribal hall in the place where I was born, you know, like, I wonder what that would be like all these different intersections of people from, uh, the few that I still know from high school to the ones that I still know from college to the ones that I met after Brooklyn and the ones that I met in California and like the people I know from poetry and the people I know from television and the people I know from the literary world, the people I know from the podcast world and all of them kind of jammed together. Like what an interesting little group of people that would be. The the, the fucked up thing about a funeral is that it's not even for you. You wouldn't because like you would, Teebs, you would have so much fun trolling people in that situation, like setting up people to talk to each other who like are going to be so just like you would enjoy the dynamics of seeing everyone from disparate parts of your life deal with everyone else from disparate parts of your life. And almost it's like you your whole life comes together. You're more uh, you're more seen as a whole person because everyone comes together than like it never otherwise happens in life. But you're not there. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't thinking of it just out of turn. And we were like breaking a, a funeral episode um, for the show that I'm writing on. And I was like, huh. And it was like, they were talking about like all these different people get together and like relationships are mended. And that's the kind of funeral scene that we're writing. And I was like, I wonder, because, you know, sometimes people, I mean, I don't know about where y'all are from, but sometimes on the res, people be fighting at funerals. So I'm like, damn, you know. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, no, I have, see, th- maybe this is why I haven't thought about funerals because. So there's like two type of funerals that like I guess I've experienced and there's one type I love which is like the second line in New Orleans which is basically when like your whole hood comes out they're like carrying you they're dancing on your grave it's like the littest thing ever and I always I didn't really like think about it that way but I always was just like I hope they're playing good music and that everyone's having a good time. But, like, the traditional funerals I've gone to with my family, I mean, the it's like a fucking reality show. The new kids that arrive, the exes, the shit that is said when it's supposed to be a eulogy and you really calling the bitch out. I'm like, ah. So I feel like sometimes funerals are just to read a bitch, like, after they're dead. And, like, yes, I have seen fights go down. And I'm just like... Do we need this? No, you don't. 
But or like in it, I've seen like one sibling make it about their conflict with all the other siblings and not about the person right. who's died. You know what I mean? You're just like, what right. is um, and it costs so much money. Mm. It costs so much mm. money. Yeah. I'm like, burn me, bitch, and I smoke know. me. Yeah. I don't need to smoke me. <laughs> I don't. I don't need a casket. I don't need to be in the ground for fucking ever. Like right. at a certain point, people will not be able to be buried because humanity is going to continue to proliferate. So this isn't. This is. This is an um a system of burial that like is not sustainable. But mm-hmm. right. burning people is perfectly good. Like mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and then you get to become a tree. It's like literally right. your molecules. Can, can become a fish or a tree or a blade of grass or just the dirt, you know? And I, I find that, like, I don't believe in afterlife, really, and I, I just think you kind of die. But, like, I find that... I, the, the notion that my molecules could be in the ocean feels nice. That feels nice to me. I would like that. Hmm. Yeah. The like last slight reincarnation. A little, like, that... The, it's, I feel like you... you it, it, the, the more you're broken down in terms of like being burnt or whatever, then the more easily transmissible you are into whatever the other thing. I think that's passing into the next life, right? You are, your, your molecules, your atoms literally have a new life. I think that's beautiful. The last funeral I went to was, I think, in May. And it was interesting because it wasn't an accident. It was like a, a terminally ill patient and they died around the time that they were supposed to die. And so a lot of the people involved had already had their conversations about saying goodbye. Whereas like I've seen other funerals way more tragic where, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to evaluate them based on tragedy, but where they're, the person was taken too soon or unexpectedly and the different type of energy that that, that type of funeral had, you know? And the shock that yeah. people had to catch up to. Um, yeah, for me, like, um, my best friend unexpectedly died around three or four years ago. And definitely, even though I'm comfortable with death and I've, like, you know, lived my life, it's definitely more of a shock and I think more of a sadness when someone dies unexpectedly than when you've seen them sick and you know that they're going to die over time like as I've seen with some grandparents um that shock of just being like yanked out the world um is very startling and and really sad and another thing that I was saying and I feel like this is like a new COVID thing and we had already talked about social media but I the last funeral I went to was on Facebook literally my uncle died of COVID in I don't I honestly can't tell you what month cuz I was also recovering but it was on Facebook and it was the most bizarre thing I've ever experienced and I'm not sure if it was I don't think it's supposed to be that way like even though we couldn't be together like just a still camera just down on a body with a few people it just made it so um I felt so bizarre that it was happening in the digital world completely um, and I know some people were just like, you know, we need that closure. We need to have a funeral. But um, that's something that really disturbs me and I think is happening more and more. So I, I, it's something that interests me and like what other people think about um, death and how people, I mean, I, I think that people react to death and online in, in interesting ways. But I think now that funerals and like actual deaths are being put online. Um, I think that creates a different type of grief. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think ritual is so important to grief, 
right? It's like if, if one of the stages of grief is disbelief or bargaining, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think being together to grieve collectively, um, you know, with family and with the with the departed is is an essential part of of that of acceptance of the facts of the situation, not necessarily acceptance of of the grief or anything else, but that this is actually happening. Um, And I've had three, I think, Zoom funerals, including of um, a a good friend who was young and um, died very unexpectedly. Um, And it's just, I've really missed that, the feeling of someone else crying next to you in the pew. You know what I mean? Of uh, just that embodied sense of um we're collectively doing this together has has been really hard to do without but at the same time um you know these funerals were digital even even in a time when we could probably have gathered again this was before the vaccine um but it it just felt it felt important to not put other people at risk of death by having an in-person funeral you know what i mean and so it was just this bizarre um, world we're living in where yeah. the only human thing to do was to give up this really important ritual. Yeah, it's hard. I, I want to end also a little lighter. Because <laughs> we've been some dark-ass benches this whole conversation. Do y'all want to get old? Oh. Well, okay. I feel like Kenya would be such a <laughs> An amazing old. I feel like you I've both always would be an thought amazing, about like, how I'd be granny. such an uh, amazing old grandmother. Yeah. Like I do want to get old, but I feel getting old in a way that I, it's unpleasant. So it's not. I think a lot of people are scared to get old because they're like, "Oh my god, I'm not going to be sex anymore, and I'm probably going to die." And I'm like, "Yeah, bitch, <laughs> duh." <laughs> But what what really like you know I've I've been in pain my whole life and it's mm-hmm. like you know I mean and it's true and I just didn't expect it to happen so fast mm-hmm. like when I approach thirty I'm like whoa my back and mm-hmm. I'm like whoa my jaw clenches in the night so there's just certain <laughs> things that it's just like I can see as I get older things are gonna get more painful. Mm. Um, but I do want to get older, like, cause mm. I just want to see what the fuck this shit, like, what is going to go down? I have no right. idea what right. is going to go down. Mm. Um, getting older is, and it's just something you have to accept. For me, it literally is more like my physical body, um, because of my personal like situations. It's like, oh yeah, I, I have to watch out for my health. Mm-hmm. Um, more, I'm in more pain. But that's just something I, I, I deal with. And especially when you deal with pain, it becomes like like just like a buzz that's always there, like a static mm-hmm. thing. You're just you're just in pain. Mm-hmm. Um so it's just learning new ways to navigate pain. But other than that, I think getting old is beautiful. The best stories like I love older people. Like they tell yeah. me shit that blows my mind away. Like older people are church to me. Like I, when I was younger, I would just go up to just anybody and be like, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? Like, and it's just (laughs) like, and and like, yo, older people, they have so much knowledge of this world and history repeats itself and all that, that good stuff. So I've always like dreamed of being like the older woman. Like I'm like 70 and I'm telling the kids, I'm like, oh, Back in the day, we had acid, you know. So I'm like, <laughs> right? You'll, you'll have the memory of before the Lexapro shortage started, right? I'm gonna be like, yo, 
there was Lexapro. Have you heard of it? I feel like I'm going to be talking about like like it's Quaaludes. Like you can't get that shit no more. But everybody was on it, you know? Um, so I, I've, I've like just that passing down story thing. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in it as long as I possibly can. And it's kind of separate from you, Ho, where it's like my, my body be like, I'm out. But mm-hmm. my mind and that thing above mm-hmm. my mind be like, bitch, Stay in this bitch. Yeah. Stay yeah. in yeah. this bitch. Because yeah. I've seen my body fucking die. Mm. But above whatever that thing is, I, I haven't had a name for it yet. But that shit was like, write this shit out, bitch. Just come back. Right. See what happens. Mm. So um, that's definitely my goal. So I'm like hyped to get older. I'm nervous mm. about what the world is about to do I know. As, as time goes on. But I I do want to get older, mm. and I'm excited too, and I feel blessed too. Mm. I know, and I feel like my ancestors like we survived through way too much for you to be <laughs> right. able to do this. So do not take our gifts in vain, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, right. if you would have asked me this question five years ago, it might have been I might have had a different answer because I didn't. And, having the opportunity to work in television and hopefully, God willing, be able to work in television for the foreseeable future, I find that like having a stable living situation has made me ha- has made me look forward to something like that more so than when I was living with you know four other people and their and and their significant others and their dogs and understanding that that I couldn't spend any more money on rent that I was spending right then and I was like I don't see a way out of this situation and I can't be 65 70 85 with in this situation you know I feel that How about you Joe um I don't really want to get old. I just, um, I just, I'm too afraid of pain and loss and grief um, of of losing people close to me. Um, I don't even want to. You know, I'm like terrified every day of losing my dog. You know, and that's not even going to happen when I'm old. So um, that's but, real. But it's it's usually people like me that don't really want to stick around that stick around the longest. So I'm, you know, it's like I'm trying to hold space for for future me that that he's possible. Um, and, you know, I don't want to ever be the type of person who's like um, so afraid of um, loss and future pain that that they turn self-destructive. That's like goal of mine is like don't be self-destructive uh, and sort of make the, um, not getting old a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy, which happens to people. And that, I like and, that. And you Joe. were like, I want to end light. <laughs> I know. I know. That's, that is me light. That is me light. Mm, I'm feeling full, but like I could fit one more thing inside of me. Joe knows how I feel. Mm. So why don't you put the cherry on our top, Joe? We're talking today. I got mine yesterday and I'm actually, I'm feeling pretty good. We're talking about booster shots, y'all. Yes. Booster shots. Ass clap. Yeah. Ass clap. You can't see it, but, and I'm not doing it, but imagine <laughs> my ass clapping. And that's how I feel about booster shots. You feel so, Teeps. Have you had yours yet? I don't think I'm eligible. You're I don't probably think not I'm eligible, eligible yet. Yeah, because yeah. I don't have a. I don't have to go in person into work yet. Yep. Although, like my next writer's room will probably be a hybrid because that's what people are doing now. It's like mm-hmm. a couple of days in the room, a couple of days virtual. So once mm-hmm. it gets to that, and I'm actually in an office again, I'll probably get it unless they just okay it for general use. Yeah, yeah. And Kenya, you feel, you you feel like so much better, right? I feel so much better. I mean, I don't want to get fined, but 
I got the J and J and bitch. I'm yeah. just going to say it was a long and arduous journey, but keep in mind, I am in- immunocompromised, but I was still fucking scared. And they, you know, they said the immunocompromised people should get a booster shot. As soon as I found that shit out, I was like, yes, mm-hmm. I need to. And a Pfizer or Moderna. Mm-hmm. I was like, N- mm-hmm. none of that. Jade. Like, no, mm-hmm. no, I need Pfizer. And when it went inside, <laughs> it just, it felt so good. It even felt different than J and J. And I just felt so much more protected. And it was a really chaotic situation, but like as an like immunocompromised black woman who knows a lot about my own body. I was like, I just, I just got to do it. Yep. I, I had COVID before. So that shit, listen, COVID-19 is not cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will take a bitch out. And it, mm-hmm. it really almost took me out. So I was like, I need to be as protected as possible. Ran to CVS in Williamsburg, which is looking really weird now. Shout out to Keith, Zaddy Keith. Mm. Zaddy Keith, because I didn't have an appointment. But I said, sir, I need to live. (laughs) And so he gave me a booster shot. And literally since then, like my COVID anxiety, like I've still been like really low key. Like I'm not one of those people that's out here at the clubs. Like people are out here at the clubs without immunity. But still just walking down the street, like it lessened like my COVID anxiety by like, 90%. 90%. So it was just, if you are eligible, get that shot. I'm telling you, you're going to be feeling so good. And also, I mean, I don't know about other people, but like I had really intense side effects from the first, mm-hmm. um, the first full immunization process, whatever, my first shot. Um, and for my booster, I did not, I felt tired, but I felt so much healthier after that. It wasn't like a really long difficult process for me my body was just like oh got that shit yeah (laughs) gotta start twerking some some immunity around here and so i i feel so so good and bitch i will be getting every booster shot that comes out (laughs) so i gotta make me want to get a flu shot now too i think i'm good to see if he has to get a flu shot right after flu shots i got my flu shot on tuesday my booster shot yesterday, one day between them. I got to say, I was really skeptical about... I'm, so the booster shots make me angry. And let me tell you why the booster shots make me angry. Because um, on the African continent, South Africa is the most vaccinated country. And 25% of that country has had one shot. So there are whole swaths of the world, millions and millions and millions of people, billions of people actually, who have not had access to a single vaccine. And we are losing thousands of people a day to COVID-19 right now, many of whom live in countries where there is zero access. Uh, I I saw yesterday that the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo, 1% of the population has had a single vaccine. It is just the global situation is bad. And we, it it, it does not, you know, I think the third shot um, helps, right? But it's obviously, it's less important to get shot number three than to get people shots number one and two and fucking save their lives from COVID. And so I've been really angry that the situation has been like the US government hoarding doses for third doses for Americans, where the benefit is likely existent, but pretty marginal. Unless, as Kenya says, if you're immunocompromised, we know you need that third shot. You know, there if you're over 65, there are populations where we know we need to give people access to that third shot to boost their immunity. 
But for most folks, the the benefit at six to 12 months is going to be marginal, but probably real. But like on the planet where people aren't getting any doses, it it just makes me so angry. Um, uh, And it's just like, you know, global capitalism yet again, just just accepting the deaths of tens of thousands of people who don't need to die, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. That being said, um, your personal decision to not get a booster in America is not going to give a shot to someone in DRC, you know? So if you're eligible, I've been telling people get the shot because that shot in all likelihood is going to expire and go in the garbage. Right. So you, it's, it's like both get the booster and fucking call Joe Biden's office, call your Congress people's office and tell them to advocate for global vaccination led initially by the U S government and then distributed to countries where the vaccines can be made by themselves. But we need those shots globally. We need them now. We need, we can do it. We have the money. We have, we don't have the will. So it's both, you know, your, your personal decision isn't going to change the political landscape, but we also need to be working to change the political landscape. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at Stitcher. Mm. Our producer is wifey mom, Alexandra De Palma. <laughs> Subscri- Woo! Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. I am Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-B-S on Instagram because I deleted everything else. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. There's going to be pre-order information for the book coming out within the next week or two. You can subscribe at my website. It's josephosmondson.com slash newsletter. Lit. Um, I'm Kenya Denise. You can find me on Instagram at Kenya Diggit. K-E-N-Y-A underscore D-I-G-G underscore I-T. And yes, it is Kenya like the country. You can also email me if you want to talk real business, real creative business. You know what I'm saying? If you want to get down at Kenya at dominosound.co. Again, that's Kenya at dominosound.co. And of course, follow Domino Sound's Instagram, which is at dominosound.co. You can Stay find, alive, bitch. Hell yeah. You can find us on Instagram at Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, you can send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick dicks to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thought spelled how? T-H-O-T. The worst one That was also a racial test. Let's do it again. Okay. Thought spelled how? T A Oh my god. T <laughs> Y'all know how it's spelled. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>